0: This audio is brought to you by MuslimCentral.com. We need to step it up and help the youth get over their real problems, their real issues. It's like putting butter on top of a fire and saying to the butter not to burn. I think this is a real global issue.
1: Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to Global Issues on Al Hikmah TV. I'm your host, Shafi'at Muhammad and uh, with me in the studio today we have a very very honorable guest and very privileged to have him with us in Al Hikmat studio and he's no less a person And to make sure I get his name totally correct it's Sheikh Omar Suleiman. He has a very interesting history here in the United States of America living in Louisiana and now in Dallas etc but because he is with us I will not take away from giving his background information and welcome the Sheikh <laughs> to Global Issues. <laughs> it's a pleasure to have you with us. <laughs> it's an honor to have a young, dynamic man with, <laughs> like you in <laughs> Al-Hikmat's <laughs> studio. And um, <laughs> we want to hear all about some experience, some of your experience, and what message you have for our viewers who are worldwide, you know, the East, West, North and South, look at Al-Hikmat TV online. So, um, again, welcome to the show. It's an honor to be here. So before getting into some of your issues, I I was checking your background here and I see that you're a lecturer at the Islamic uh, Learning Foundation at Mishka University and Al-Maghrib Institute. So could you tell us a little bit about these three institutions and where they are based and what they do, etc., and what you do with them? So uh, first we have Islamic Learning
0: Foundation is something that is, uh, at least for my part, I'm working with it in Texas. So we have seminars throughout Texas uh, frequently, and we also have an online uh, that, uh, online weekly tafsir halaqa that people follow through Facebook and okay. uh, through social networking. It attracts a large crowd, alhamdulillah, a worldwide audience. Um, so we've been doing weekly tafsir sessions, and at the same time, again seminars throughout Texas on issues so the motto of Islamic Learning Foundation is fusing knowledge with service so it's connected with the Islamic Circle of North America so we oh. look at surahs that have in, you know that 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 can serve of course the whole Quran can but we look at surahs for example in um, tafsir and we we try to extract the activist perspective of the surah and those okay. types of things so we try to relate that to service the lives of the Sahaba whenever we cover them we try to relate it to service we also did a class on Sharia and
1: these activities are basically in Texas Texas and online and online, then with
0: okay. Mishka
1: University so um, you're like Islamic Texas Rangers <laughs> you know Texas I, I are known as Texas be, Rangers yeah, right? I guess we <laughs> are
0: the Islamic Texas Rangers We're trying to be that way inshallah. Good, inshallah Alhamdulillah with Mishka University it's also the Islamic University of North America was founded by uh, Sheikh Salah Hassawi, a very prominent uh, scholar in in the West. Uh, He's the founder of the Assembly of Muslim Jurists of America and also Uh American Open University and others. So alhamdulillah, it's uh, a very successful project. We teach an entire bachelor's degree program, uh, very interactive. So instead Uh of the the traditional correspondence course online, uh, the students are actually interacting with with instructors all over the world, alhamdulillah. And they're getting a credible bachelor's degree in Islamic studies online. Alhamdulillah, we're also branching now into the graduate program. And where are
1: you all based?
0: Um, it's, it's Right now it's based in Minnesota. Okay. Many of the instructors are PhDs from Al-Azhar University in particular, so we have teachers in Egypt. Um, so we have an Arabic program and an English program. And Alhamdulillah, the students are worldwide, so I have students in Romania, in, in Germany, as and all over the world, Alhamdulillah, that are really getting good access to quality Islamic knowledge alhamdulillah, quality bachelor's degree in Islamic studies that uh, hopefully they can keep up with inshallah ta'ala inshallah. and move on forward and then with Al-Maghrib Institute Al-Maghrib mm-hmm. Institute is a uh, is a worldwide initiative also alhamdulillah it was founded by uh, Sheikh Mohammed al-Sharif who was born um, in Canada, born and raised in Canada went to Al-Madina, studied at the Islamic University of Medina and then him and some uh, prominent scholars also from from Medina started it essentially Sheikh Wadid Basyuni, Dr. Yasser Qadi, and others, um, Sheikh Yasser Burjass, And Alhamdulillah, that has over 20 locations now in, in the United States and also in Canada. And uh, it's spread now to the UK, to Malaysia, to Indonesia, to Ireland, to the Philippines, to Singapore, all over the world, to the Bay now, Alhamdulillah, where there are seminars. Uh, seminars being taught all over the world Alhamdulillah
1: Good, and um, I know your background in seeking education You have been to the United Arab Emirates And way, you have studied in Jordan, etc Would you like to share that experience with our viewers a little bit? Well, Alhamdulillah, for myself, I'm still a student of knowledge Alhamdulillah well, We alhamdulillah. All, we, all, uh, we aspire inshallah.
0: to be that way, inshallah and um, I st- I started at I mean, uh, early t- in, in 2000, I went over to the United Arab Emirates, so I got a chance to. Uh, study there with uh, Sheikh Tariq Rajah and Sheikh Amr Shishani, both from um, Al qura University. Mm-hmm. Alhamdulillah, mm-hmm. And I spent some some years there, and Sharjah, mashallah, was always a place where there was always scholars visiting all around. So, alhamdulillah. I, coming from the American background and the American context, I kind of had to learn Arabic almost from scratch. Uh, even though my parents are Palestinian, okay, okay, almost had to learn Arabic from scratch in terms of in terms of studying because I grew and up and Farsi Arabic, etc. Right? right, right, yeah. But Alhamdulillah, I mean that was really, I feel like the, you know, I you can never thank your scholars enough. Mm-hmm, when I, mm-hmm. I also when I came back from, uh, from the United Arab Emirates, I started studying with Sheikh Hassan Mubarak, who uh, was the Imam in Baton Rouge for uh, over 25 years. Alhamdulillah, and he's now my father-in-law. I ended up marrying his daughter also. You Alhamdulillah. You're a real student of. <laughs> So, yeah, I, I took knowledge from him and I took his daughter, alhamdulillah. <laughs> everything, <laughs> the complete package, inshallah. Alhamdulillah, I and mean, since then, alhamdulillah, it's been various scholars. Sheikh Salah al always is a mentor to me. Dr. Hatim Al-Hajj, he's the dean um, of the uh, Mishka University, also a mentor, Sheikh Omar Suleiman al Ashkar in Jordan, alhamdulillah, I have the opportunity to interact with him and also translate some of his books. Um, and so,
1: you know, I'm just a student that's, jumping right now for knowledge from different scholars. Well, I know. That's what that's what talab is all about, seeking, yeah. inshallah. Alhamdulillah. Well, with your experience and fresh in your mind with all these sheikhs and all these teachers, you mentioned a point a little while ago about your relationship with your teachers and what you learn from them. There are a couple of issues I would like to discuss with you and mm-hmm. a- ask you to share your experience and knowledge with our viewers on. And one is um, pertaining to your... your experience in traveling your affiliation with teachers the connection you had with them the spiritual connection because nowadays we have a major problem with students in the West especially and I understand it's happening even in the East and all over the world there isn't this respect between teachers and students Mm. and when it comes to knowledge respect is a major line. It's not just a fine line. It's a major principle in the bond of spirituality and knowledge. And I'd Absolutely. like you to share that that experience you have had. And um, I want to get down to some other topics just to let our viewers know. We want to talk a little bit. You mentioned again about marrying the daughter of your teacher. So okay. I'd also like to find out about you know your, How you can uh, your, marry your daughter's te- your teacher's, your daughter's, teacher's right? <laughs> daughter. Well, that's one thing, but. um uh, well, I couldn't get a teacher's daughter to get married to, so I ended up married and getting married in the city where my teachers taught. <laughs> but that's far fetched, anyhow. So I want, I would like if you could share some of your experience also and advice to our young viewers and parents on the importance of people getting married young, mm. according to Islamic recommendation when it's appropriate and how. So there's a couple of things in mind we want to talk about inshallah. Okay. All right? All. But you could start first by the um, the respect that you have learned and you would like to share with viewers that teachers should have and students should have with teachers.
0: Right, absolutely. Well one of the things we it's it's actually from the seerah of the Prophet and the companions, we find a young man like Abdullah ibn Abbas, taala uh-huh. the cousin of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, but who used to go and sleep at the doorsteps of his teachers, of the Sahaba, and when they would open the door, they would dust him off and say, "You're the cousin of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam." We would come to you, and he said the very powerful statement, "Al-'ilm huwa That knowledge should Subhan. be sought. Knowledge does not seek anybody. And I think um, you know. Also, there, you know, in, in our culture. And when I say our culture, I don't mean the Arab culture. I mean an Islamic culture. There's a deep emphasis on respecting and loving our teachers and mm-hmm. learning adab from the manners. Yes. Not just not just learning from the books, but rather learning adab and manners from them, from shadowing them. And subhanAllah, so we have a lot of poetry. And st- even if it's not necessarily uh, Islamically you know, 100% correct. Mm-hmm. Whoever mm-hmm. teaches me a letter, I am to him like a slave. Like a slave. Of course, only to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But in the American context, it's sometimes very hard for us to accept that because we're, all, we're, we're sort of used to making everything academic, right? Where, uh, you know, I go to school, the teacher is the professor. If he, if he looks at me the wrong way, then, then I have a problem with him. But Have you seen that happening in Muslim schools? I mean, I think that it's two extremes. It's two extremes. In,
1: I mean, Muslim essence, schools in America.
0: In America, I think that certainly there, there is a disrespect for Imams and scholars. Even in the the Muslim environment? In the West or in the East. I mean, uh, you know, and and when knowledge is not valued, then people of knowledge are not valued. There is no doubt about that. So people of knowledge, I think, in the West and the East tend to be looked at as the lowest of society. I know even in in some Eastern countries, in some Muslim countries, a person who studies Islam is someone who was not able to study in any of the real disciplines, right? Right. So his knowledge is not valued. The knowledge itself is not valued. And as a result, people of knowledge are, you know, just painted with this broad paintbrush of ignorant people, extremists, you know, mullahs, whatever it is, things of that sort. So, in the American context, certainly, there is disrespect towards the scholars, and I think we have an extreme. We, uh, you know, we have two extremes. We have the extreme of, of complete disrespect and utter disregard for scholars. Then we have the other extreme, which is sanctifying them and yeah. and uh, you like know a wanting to worship sort of thing. Right, right, sort of like a Hindu guru type relationship where yeah. you know I am like I am like a dead body between his hands and things of that sort, and he's washing me and he teaches me. But at the same time, I report my repentance to him and, yeah. and almost any, like a
1: priest class type. Right, thing. and even if the Sheikh says something and. That is not even in contrary to the Qur'an, and you know what is right, re- you still go according to Right, it. right. Yeah. So, so
0: unfortunately, it's always finding this balance. And Allah yeah. subhanahu wa ta'ala made us a balanced ummah. So we respect and honor our scholars without sanctifying them. And how what I'm seeing, which is also very scary, is, is something some, some, somewhat like the celebrity sheikh culture. And it's not necessarily what the shaykh wants per se, but at the same time... Um, You know, it's almost like when I see a Shaykh, I don't want to benefit from his knowledge. I want to take a picture with him. I want to get his autograph so I can put it up on Facebook and say, I was with Shaykh Mm so-and-so.
1: It's also mm -hmm. very
0: dangerous, you know, because when you see a person of knowledge, your goal should be to accompany him, to learn from him. Um, Mujahid, rahimahullah, the great Mufassir of Qur'an, he said about Abdullah ibn Umar, the great sahabi, he said, I accompanied him on a journey just so I could serve him. And he said, فَكَانَ يَخْدُمُنِي أَكْثَرُ He ended up serving me more than I was serving him. So no, no, no. that shows the adab, the manners of the teachers and the manners of the students back then. The teachers did not feel like they were, they did not feel a sense of pride, yeah. but rather they were humbled by their knowledge. And the students wanted to benefit as much as possible and be in the company of people. knowledge. Well, you know,
1: that's how we really learned. When I, when I was studying myself in, in India, and you go to a teacher's home or you go to his room, he will serve you a cup of tea because he is the host and you are the guest. Right. So you learn that how to teach your guest and how to treat other people. But that's a problem we really miss in the, in, in the West. And I, I'm glad you addressed that because even in the Masajid and the Islamic institutions here in America, Muslim schools, yes, we are in an environment to a Muslim environment. But I think we have lost that Islamic adab. Absolutely. I mean,
0: and, and it's it's something that I that I hope that Inshallah Taala will be able to work through. Uh, part of it is uh, part of that responsibility lays on the scholars to come down to the level of the people. The other part, and, and mm-hmm. certainly we're not living in an age where where scholarship is at the level that it used to be. There's no doubt about that. I mean, we are not Imam Ahmad or Imam Abu Hanifa yeah. or Imam Sufyan ath-Thawri's, n- nor are we Imam al-Ghazali's or Ibn Taymiya's. We are. <laughs> you know we are in, in accordance with our time we're just students of knowledge but we have a responsibility to teach the people with whatever little knowledge we mm-hmm. have so mm-hmm. we have to humble ourselves to make sure number one we are living the deen as scholars and as teachers or or portrayed scholars I mean we know ourselves not to be what people think that we are Yes, yes, we're just students but to to live the deen and to make sure that the Quran is, is and the Sunnah is part of our lives and at the same time the students should try to learn manners they should try to learn adab they should try to you know to look at the 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 look at the teacher uh in the role of someone who is who is uh, a mentor a murabbi mm-hmm. someone mm-hmm. who's who's raising them who's teaching them learning from his manners you know they used to say that they used to sit in the halaqah of imam ahmad ibn hanbal rahimahullah over 5000 people and only 50 of them were writing the rest of them were just observing his manners subhanallah so certainly there's it's a, it's a responsibility that falls on the teacher and on the student. There's no doubt about it. Yes, it's a balance on both sides. Absolutely.
1: Speaking about that, um, I know you, you're you very well known for your lectures on youth-friendly masjid or masjids not being youth-friendly. we got to go on a break for a couple of seconds, and uh, when we come back, I would like you to share your advice or viewers on that aspect, because just as we speak of teachers and students, I think we have a little bit of that problem with elders and masajids and and organizations running institutions who are in a different world and for some reason they're not really community friendly or youth friendly and it's not welcoming for the growth and the betterment of Islam. Absolutely. So, respected viewers, it is of course a pleasure to have with us Sheikh Omar Sulaiman with us and uh, when we get back after the short break, we will continue this very interesting discussion on masajid being youth-friendly or not friendly, vice versa. As-salamu Subhanallah. 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 Tuning to Who's Who in America and in your community, hosted by Sister Naima Khan Ghani, with extraordinary guests every Sunday night at 8.30 p.m. on www.alhikmatlive.com. Tune in for Friday Qutbah at 1.30pm Broadcasting live from Darul Institute, Pembroke Pines, Florida On Al-Hikmah TV Online Tuning to Young Muslim Talent in America Hosted by Salma Muhammad with talented kids from all over America, every Saturday night at 8:30 p.m. on www.alhikmatlive.com. Allah. Allah. Thinking of doing
0: surka jaria for your near and dear ones? We recommend you to sponsor the Origin of True Islam brochure, the Genealogy of Prophets. Or the surahs and zikr
1: to be recited daily as Sadiqa Jariah for your parents who have passed away. Or you could sponsor one of the items for yourself, Fisa Bilallah. For more
0: details, contact the Al Hikmat office at 1 800 804 0267 or 954 986 0158 or email us at alhikmatalhikmat.com. At
1: Welcome back to Global Issues and again with me in the studio we have Sheikh Omar Suleiman and I'm your host Shafi'at Mohammed. We ended on a very interesting note pertaining to our youths, to mosques, Islamic organizations, etc. Whether they are friendly, whether they are welcoming to our youths, if they are good examples, or are they teaching the right examples. And we have a very unique Person with us in the studio, Sheikh Omar Suleiman, and we again welcome back to the <laughs> show. to the show, Sheikh, and we'd like you to share your views and your experience and opinions on this issue with our youths and the society and the masajid and marriage and everything. Well, Alhamdulillah, I
0: mean, I think that um, we are we are witnessing a change right now. I hope that some masajids are undergoing this change now. First and foremost, when I say youth-friendly, and I think again like like we talked about the previous topic there are two extremes one extreme is to make everything halal so that the youth will uh, become more accepting of Islam basically to water down Islam so much that the youth will say "Oh, okay this is easy but if we do that then then they'll just water it down for the next generation until we reach a point where the Prophet mentioned that people will only be saying Allah because they heard their father say Allah and that's all so Islam can be lost that way so the goal is not to change the message the goal is to present it in a way that's effective so that the youth can digest it. Mm-hmm. And, and as Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he said, so I'm talking more about the perspective from an Imam's perspective at this point. Ali radiallahu anhu, he said that the greatest faqih, the greatest scholar, is the one who can uh, cause people or who can um, teach the people in a way that they don't despair from the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but at the same time he doesn't give them the concessions to disobey Allah. So that's the balance of of those Sahaba that they had So the sunnah is beautiful, the sunnah is Tolerable, the Mm -hmm. sunnah is The sunnah brings happiness in our lives When we adopt it When we adopt it in our own lives But at the same time, again, so we don't So I think that's one approach to youth friendly masajid Is let's turn the masjid into a Into a concert, and that's not the goal there I think what needs to be done is that the imams need to come down to the pe- to the people's levels to the youth's levels they need to they need to get on Facebook they need to get on social networking they need to use their they need to play basketball and football with the youth they need to uh, start talking their language start understanding their language um, so that they can start to have fruitful discussions back and forth so that they can understand the the needs of the people and at the same time um, you know the youth can also understand the perspective in
1: a different way in a fresh yeah, that, way that's a good point you made there because a lot of times you hear elders complaining that there are no youths in the program but did they invite the youths by email did they send an invitation you know it's like one old guy gets up makes an announcement to a bunch of old people in the mosque coming I mean, with all due respect to our elders and then says we didn't see young people in the program but I love that point you made if you wanna get young people you also need to send out invitation on Facebook, on emails on right. get you some to sons to do language. text and whatever, right? You need to speak their language and
0: Alhamdulillah, I mean we are witnessing some youth initiatives right now, uh in America with institutions and things of that sort, you know. Uh, groups like young Muslims, mass youth, you have Bayina and mm-hmm. Maghrib, mm-hmm. all these different organizations now that are catering towards the youth that the youth are actually in charge of. Yes. And I think that's what we need to do. We need to extract their potential. Mm-hmm. Part mm-hmm. of that is coming down to their level. Like the Prophet wrestling with them, joking with them, laughing with them. You know, this this idea that the people of the Masjid have to be stuck up and dressed in a certain way and and have to have this formal appearance and not be able to crack a smile or laugh. This is a terrible uh, stigma that we have right now. Yes, so yes. people of, 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 of the Masjid need to come down to that level uh, without without diluting the message but at the same time presenting it in a more beautiful way. The Prophet said uh, you know, to, to make things easy, easy. To, to, to give people glad tidings. You know, walad uh, tunafkiru, to make things easy, not to make things hard. Mm-hmm. Now, the Prophet ﷺ is talking about the same message here, but how you present that message to them. So, yeah. yes, we bring a basketball court out there in the masjid, let them play basketball. You're frustrated because they're dressed in a, in a different way. They're, they're, you know, the way that they talk. I'm not saying foul language should be tolerated, but yes. the way that they talk is not the masjid type language. You know, you never know. We want to provide that outlet. Maybe one day he's playing basketball and. and he he made a mistake, a, a grave mistake, and he'll come to the and He'll consider what the sheikh is is saying today. I've also mm-hmm. seen
1: some centers. They set up a gym, right? And they set up the basketball courts, but they don't mm-hmm. allow the youths to play. Right? <laughs> have you experienced that? So they where limit are they their time. Go? No, they gonna. limit their time, and there's like always arguing. With them, you guys come here only to play, then you frustrate them, and they then refuse to come back. No, have you, have you experienced a, that? Absolutely, and we should have a healthy
0: dosage of halaqa, and a healthy dosage of the basketball time and those types of things. And the main thing is not to be judgmental. I mean, uh, as the Imam al rahimahullah, said in the beautiful poem, tathkur bihi al sunu." With your tongue, don't mention the faults of another person. Because you are covered in faults, and other people have tongues too <laughs> you know and if your eye falls on the fault of another person, then restrain your eye and say to your eye, "Oh eye, other people have eyes too so whenever we look at the youth and, and because they 're dressed in a certain way, because they might have genuine pro- problems and things of that sort. They can sense when people are looking down their noses at them and, and being judgmental. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that, that we should tolerate sins. I'm saying that we should work on their hearts. We should try to change them. We should address them with beautiful advice. Give them maw'idah, right? Maw'idah al as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us to do da'wah. Maw'idah al hasana, like a heart-to-heart, good talk, you know, good advice to them. You know, and present it as, I care about you. I want you to... Defeat your shaitan. I don't want the shaitan to defeat you. I understand your problems. And my favorite example, I always give this example, is of our beloved Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. When a young man came to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and he said, Give me permission to commit zina. I want to commit adultery, fornication. Yeah. Now, if, if that young man was to walk up to a modern day Imam, he might get slapped in the face, banned from the masjid, the people would curse him and yell at him. The Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam came down to his level and he said atardahu li would you like that for your mother mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. not in a chastising an admonishing way but rather coming down reasoning with him would you like it for your sister or your aunt yeah, and yeah. he said no and the prophet ﷺ simply said kadhalika nas that's how people are and the prophet ﷺ put his hand on his chest and made du'a for him and the youth felt felt you know that 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 pain was taken away from him and subhanallah so, The fact, there's two things here. That the young man knew he could ask the Prophet the question and not get slapped in the face. That's number one. The Prophet was approachable. Number two, that the Prophet ﷺ did not disappoint. He did come down to his level. He did mm-hmm. reason with him. And I'm not saying the reasoning has to be the same way. You, no, know, you have right. to say to a person the same things. No, it's the methodology here that's being mm-hmm. taught, coming mm-hmm. down to the level of the people. He didn't tell him zina is okay. I understand how I understand how. You, know, you, can, yes. you can hug and kiss, but just don't commit the... No, he didn't water down the message, but he presented it to him in a way that's tolerable. He made dua for him. He, he showed him that I'm in your corner and that's what we need to do as massage in diplomats you know it might take yeah that we're in your corner we want to help you we're willing to facilitate marriage for you you know when so when these issues of marriage come up and things of
1: that sort the Speak, youth Speaking yes, about what marriage uh, that's another issue we have here that you have a couple of people from muslim countries i i, I want to be very blunt with it muslim countries and um, the parents or the kids growing up here are very islamic they're very religious very you know um, very practicing they read quran they do everything nice now they want to get married to someone very practicing very islamic like themselves now this is that, that that flip of the story but the parents are not too concerned of an islamic personality for their child they're concerned about a bengali For their child or Pakistani for their child or Arab for their child or Indian you know I think this is an important issue don't you think that frustrates all people
0: and you know there's two issues here number one not facilitating early marriage for youth getting them married at an early age with all that they are exposed to you are left with two options either you're left with the option of Helping them get married, and we've we've heard the scholars who have who have commented on this. You know, Imam Ibn Uthaymin said, "Start giving your zakat to the youth that need to get married." Sheikh Hassan Ayyub, he said, He said that that it's it's like putting butter on top of a fire and saying to the butter not to burn it's 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 the situation that we live in the exposure mm-hmm. they need to they need to feel like marriage is there that it's it's viable that it's going to happen even if it's not going to happen right away but at least my parents are helping me the community's helping me find you know a, a spouse that's in my best interest i don't have to wait for 10 15 years later and what's going to essentially happen is that while they're pursuing their academic careers and they're satisfying their parents in the sense that they're doing well in med school they're doing well in their school and stuff like that they're committing zina and they're, they're committing for comfortably comfortably I mean
1: they get it, it becomes easy because
0: Shaitan breaks down those barriers and it becomes easy for
1: them it's very tempting I'm sure you lecture in universities I mean you go there and you see the kind of wearing the girls are wearing the clothing right. the dress code or a lack of so clothing t- a lack of clothing yes <laughs> right. you know and the kind of lifestyle and the freedom it's just a matter of Satan putting the pieces together. Right. So, so you're right. That's like butter on the fire.
0: Right. So we need to make it, we need to make the, we need to stop making halal so hard because haram is so easy. So we need yes. to make halal um, something that we can facilitate. Now, one of the major, op- and, and you know what happens is because they're doing well in their academics, the parents will say, well, they're still doing okay. It's like it becomes pushed under the rug. And it's ignored largely by the community. And whenever Do you they think it's a parents'
1: fault or the kids' or the students' it's fault?
0: It's both of their faults. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will hold them both accountable, obviously. Because, you know, no one carries the burden of another. But at the, you stopped, you prevented him. You did not help that person uh-huh, from getting uh-huh. married. At the same time, they're going to be held accountable too. But for, from a community perspective... What did the Prophet ﷺ say? <laughs> if someone comes to you whose religion and whose character is pleasing to you, marry them off. If you don't do so, there will be much corruption and much trial and tribulation on the face of the earth. And that's what we see happening. That's exactly today. what we see happening. and the Prophet ﷺ said, Fitna, so it'll be a test, it'll be a tribulation. And in essence, as Imam al said, when they fail the test, uh-huh, it leads uh-huh. to fasad, corruption, uh-huh. widespread corruption in society. So these youth, even whenever they get married, they've committed zina so many times when they finally do get married. They've seen so much pornography and witnessed this lifestyle. They don't know how to live as as, as good husbands and good wives. So, And, and it's interesting because the Prophet said the two characteristics, deen and character. And subhanAllah, people end up rejecting someone of good deen and character because they're not from the same race. Yes. And what ends up happening? The child rebels and ends up marrying someone with no deen and no character and still of a different race. Mm -hmm. So what did you achieve by preventing your child from doing that? Instead now look, you know, I've seen hafad of Qur'an, people who memorized the Qur'an, who ran off and and ended up, you know, uh, living in zina and adultery, marrying people of no deen, no religion, no character, and still of a different race. So nothing was achieved except a further downfall of the community and the society. So we need to facilitate this for our youth. So don't you think that organizations
1: that? and Islamic centers should be a little more effective on such conferences and seminars into the adults, not so much the youths? Because you're right, it's the parents. 99% Allah gave the parents a responsibility to educate the children. And there are a lot of times the parents tell the children, I don't want you to get married now, I want you to bring this bring that and get this and then get married. So this is what they have embedded in the minds of the children. So we need to have more organizations and massages and centers doing more conferences and educated parents. Absolutely. And I think,
0: you know, I, I'm the first one who bears responsibility that we are falling short
1: Yes, as yes. organizations. I'm the first one to say we are falling short. We need to really step up our game. There's another point on this, um, Sheikh. One is that I know we look at it and these are the questions people ask why you want to get a 22 year old guy and girl get married how are they going to maintain each other they need a car but I think as a Sheikh moving around and I mean get, telling the, the organizations and the elders and everyone just as a father or parent maintains his or her son in this university and the parents maintain his or her daughter in that university they could continue maintaining their, their children in, in the various universities or get them to come together in one university to study, get them to be married, and each parent should finance their child if they want Islam. And this way you get both, dunya and Islam.
0: Absolutely. And you,
1: you could finance your son, finance your daughter. It doesn't mean if they get married each one got to handle the bills, but make sure they're married to the right person as the Prophet some says. Absolutely. And you know, this is
0: my message to parents would be is that uh, two things number one if you manage to feed your child you have to pay for their food yes. and you get them through university you provide for their dunya you've provided for their dunya but if you're able to help them I'm not saying that you you completely and that'll bring me to my second point I'm not saying that you completely pay for everything for your child when they get married but if you facilitate marriage for them even financially helping them out then you are helping preserve their deen because that is half of their deen as the prophet said so you're preserving their akhirah. which one is more important now the second thing on that note is if someone says well my kids are not responsible things of that sort and you know what sometimes it's true Yeah, we need to get out of this mentality that Um, I'm doing a favor to my kids when I don't let them work for a penny in their lives when I teach them no responsibility whatsoever that my idea of providing for them is having big flat screen TVs around around the house giving them a Mercedes Benz at the age of 17 18 they never have to work for a penny in in their lives they've Mm -hmm. never done anything in their lives they've never learned responsibilities so yes they're children so we need to encourage our kids. You know, back we know the prophets like Back then, the Arabs they used to t- send their kids out to the desert to mm-hmm. fetch for themselves, basically for a few mm-hmm. years, mm-hmm. to 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 learn that. So we. Need I to still teach. like to do that. Yeah, <laughs> you send your kids to the desert. <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's and and they they need to learn to fetch for themselves. Otherwise, they're you know they're going to go get married, and they're expecting their the 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 sons will be expecting their wives to be mothers. Yes, you know, cooking yes. and and cleaning and doing absolutely. You know, Subhanallah, nothing for themselves, Salah. and they'll never learn responsibility, and that's why they're not capable. They're not capable of getting married yet. So yeah. we need to raise them in a way that this is a responsible mm-hmm. twenty-one-year-old mm-hmm. who is ready to get married, but who doesn't have the financial means because he's still in school. So I'm going to pay for them. I'm going to help. You know, son, I'll, 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 you know, whatever I can do. You know, I'll help pay your rent. I'll help pay those things. That's that's important. And I think the, that is important. That's what it's
1: That's a very interesting point. You know what I thought about when you mentioned that. It's interesting how parents boast today about I have bought a car for my son and I already bought him a house and he has this land and if anything happens to me, he already has business and land and degree. And most of the times they don't have them married. Mm. And then they get married to the wrong spouse and the spouse comes and takes everything. Oh. Isn't, that, no, isn't that a reality? It is, it, is, it is a reality. When the real wealth should have been the Islam, and complete it with the parents' duty of the right wife or the right spouse or son, I mean right groom or bride for your son or daughter, as the case may be, and it might be better. They will work together and get all this land and property as opposed to putting the cart before the horse absolutely and you know that was a very valuable point you made there. I think parents really need to note that absolutely because- yeah and, and again,
0: so the youth when what I tell the youth whenever they say. I want to get married, I say, look, first of all, make sure... Have you learned responsibility? Have you ever washed your clothes? Or have you ever cooked for yourself? Have you ever made a penny in your life? Because marriage is, 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 is a challenge, that's yes. number one. Number two is to, at, at the same time, in the process of trying to get married, um, make sure that you don't use your parents as a scapegoat to commit zina. Because Allah will still hold you accountable yes. if you yes. go out and you commit zina. So. You should still fear Allah subhanahu wa taala while the means are being made. Allah has not made zina an option for you. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. the third thing that I would say to them is, is to really, um, you know, to really look at themselves, to analyze their deen, to make sure that they are the right, that they are in a, in a situation, a spiritual state of getting married and being together um, with another person, and really ready to start that family. Yes. And the last thing, and this is very important. Um, Because we always give the parents a lot of flack, and rightfully so sometimes. The last thing though is that a person, you know, if the youth many times what they do is they go establish a relationship in the haram. Parents fault sometimes because they didn't facilitate the haram, And sometimes it's Muslim, Muslim. Then they'll go to the parents and say, I want to marry such and such. And if the parents refuse, it's too late. We've already established a relationship. We're already in love. We're already... We've already been talking for a long time. I right. can't live without that person. So they're going to throw away a relationship of 20, 25, 30 years for a person that they've known for three, four months because they've already fallen in love where they should have went from the front door yeah. instead of the back yeah. door. Yeah. And so they'll go find an imam that's going to say, oh, you don't need a wali. I can marry you without your father. They'll go. They'll do whatever they can. Yes. yes. Right? And that's a problem. That's a huge, huge, huge problem. Yes. So it's, it's, you know, Alhamdulillah, Allah subhanahu wa taala puts the burden on the parents. Allah, there is a way where the parents are revoked the wali. We know in Islam, there are some times where the wali will have his, his guardianship revoked in marriage if he's being unreasonable and things of that sort. So Alhamdulillah, the parents are are being held in check by Allah mm-hmm. subhanahu wa taala the youth are they also have a viable way of approaching marriage and yes they might have to wait a few more years but look how allah tested yusuf mm-hmm, alayhi salam the most mm-hmm. beautiful man that's ever you mm-hmm, know that mm-hmm. ever been created you know subhanallah half of the beauty allah tested the prophets like salam also yes. they were tested with this but at the same time they were firm and allah made a way out for them so they need to also learn patience and as a community we really need to step it up myself included organizations communities we need to step it up and help the youth get over their real problems, their real issues. Stop talking about the minor things with them. I mean, you're talking yes. to a youth about minor things. A youth comes in with shorts or with an earring mm-hmm. or with a haircut that's not Islamic or a picture on his shirt. Trust me, that's the least of his problems. Yes.
1: Yeah, you're right. That's I'm, marriage is such an important thing. You know, sometimes they get married in the right time. They're going to give up all that. Because most of the times they get into these sort of things because they're not married. And they're trying to attract the opposite sex. And if they get married, they're going to be settled. And at the end of the day, it's the solution of the Quran and Sunnah. And that will answer to many of these diseases out there. Absolutely. Anyway, Sheikh, it was really, really a pleasure to have you with us on Global Issues. And I think this is a real global issue. Alhamdulillah. Our youths. (laughs) And what affects our youths and family yeah, life today. It is, absolutely. It may Allah is a help m- them all, inshallah. major global issue. <coughs> and I really <coughs> want to thank you on behalf <coughs> of Al-Hikmat for being with us here in Al-Hikmat studio. And it was a pleasure, of course, and feel free anytime to stop by, <coughs> be our <coughs> guest. <coughs> and <coughs> may Allah bless you and continue to bless you <coughs> wherever you go. Fisabil <coughs> inshallah. insha'Allah. Allah, khair. Well, viewers, we are very fortunate to have Sheikh Omar Suleiman with us in Al-Hikmat studio. And he is a well-known, renowned Islamic scholar, lecturing throughout the world, especially here in the United States of America. And uh, we continue to pray for him. And may Allah bless you. And please tune in to this show, Global Issues, same time, same station, next week, inshallah. as alaikum.